This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by Royal Thai Garden. Royal Thai Garden, the freshest, dopest Thai food on this godforsaken planet. Mention the Blue Hawaii Podcast, get a 20% discount, and also, they'll stop Trump from declaring a state of emergency, and no wall will ever be built. All right, that's uh, that's truth in advertising if I ever heard it. <laughs> Blue Hawaii. Happy Aloha Friday, everybody. Happy belated Valentine's Day. On February 14th, 1779, Captain James Cook of the British Royal Navy was killed by Native Hawaiians in Kealakekua Bay on the Big Island. Let's not let him forget. No. But as they say, uh, he wasn't Pono, he wasn't Lono, but he was definitely Ono. We often hear holiday meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced to foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is haole. I'm Leilani Poliahu, ahui ho. Haole. is a perfectly good word. Also, happy Kealoha Friday. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a scandal like this since Lokelani Lindsay and the Bishop Estate Broken Trust is. Stay tuned, more on this later. Folks, you watch the news. You know what the whole dang country is talking about. Hawaii News Now, where is Najuma, the elusive African ground hornbill? It's been several days since two exotic birds escaped the Honolulu Zoo. One of the African ground hornbills has since returned, but the second one is still on the run. Be free, young bird, be free! Named Najuma. The bird's jailbreak-like escape has kept zoo employees on edge over the last few days and gripped the community in the ongoing bird saga. That's probably a little bit overdramatic <laughs> language. On Tuesday, Honolulu Mayor Kirk Colmbull tweeted photos of the bird nonchalantly chilling on the edge of a Diamond Head Ridge. That's actually wonderful. Shout out to you, Najuma, living your best life. Yeah, you know what? Run free. Hashtag free Najuma. Friend of the show, Mike Dunford, at Quest Authority on Twitter, who's yeah. also like a minor Twitter constitutional law celebrity, eloquently pointed out that Hawaii, uh, specifically Oahu's wallaby population, which yeah. is well known to live in the uh, Kalihi Valley area, uh, was actually spawned in much the same way, a jailbreak. So, if I, you know what? If Soon our most they're... invasive species are wallabies and... Like Wild African, African hornbills? That's an awesome That's invasive badass. species. That's way better than... Mongeese. Mongeese. Yeah. Mongeese? Mongeese, pretty sure. Is that sure the absolute I'm right I'm pretty sure mongeese. Listeners, get at us. Mongooses. Mongooses sounds weird. Mongooses. Mongooses. Mongooses sounds like a Latvian basketball player. <laughs> Ilya Mongooses <laughs> for three! Yeah, it does. Speaking of amazing African fauna... Black panthers have been spotted in Kenya in the wild for the first time in a hundred years. Quick side note here. If you'll remember, folks, Josh is not supposed to be here right now. Yes. He is supposed to be just me. He's supposed to be on vacation. Yes. And then, this, and then the news was like, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. So this no, is no, no, one no, no, of those no, no, things no. that we had to talk about. So we are sneaking this recording in Friday lunchtime on our break. That's how much we care about you listeners and just, bringing you the... We just need to let you guys know. So anyways, moving on to total kabuki political theater GOP bullshit. Yes. Uh, Ilhan Omar. Yes. So she's sort of in the middle of another anti-Semitism controversy for saying that uh, support for Israel, particularly as generated by APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, and the biggest player in the pro-Israel lobby is, quote, all about the Benjamins. Record scratch, whoa, whoa, whoa. My uncle Leo, I had lunch with him the other day. He's one of these guys that anything goes wrong in life, he blames it on anti-Semitism. You know what I mean? The spaghetti's <laughs> not al dente, I'll cook anti-Semite. They're right there, yeah. You know, loses a bet on a horse, secretariat, anti-Semitic. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Even the whole, even the animal. The high holidays in the temple, Rabbi, anti-Semite. Uh, Representative Omar apologized after a backlash that was genuine from some, genuine from some, and manufactured kabuki theater political outrage from most. Uh, now, listeners, I'm pretty sure you did not tune into this podcast for a three-hour seminar on the many facets and nuances of anti-Semitism. But strap in. It's our platform. Here we go. No, just uh, a quick primer you can Google. Side note. Primer. We've had this talk. English. How very English of you, <laughs> Ryan, in your podcast. <laughs> uh, Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, also known as J. Fredge, as in William J. Fredgerator Perry of the 1985 <laughs> Super Bowl-winning Chicago Bears. <laughs> A, uh, a left-wing civil rights activist group based out of New York City uh, published a field guide, Understanding Anti-Semitism, an offering to our movement. Check it out. We highly recommend it. Uh, as Jay French points out, this is something we talked about in episode 46. For many Jews, the state of Israel has felt like the only thing standing between them and another Holocaust. This fear, rooted in very recent historical trauma, is why grounded and valid protests against Israeli government policy or Zionism are sometimes heard by Jews as threats to the safety of the Jewish people as a whole. Actual violence against Jews or other anti-Semitic acts in the U.S., Europe, and the Middle East, and around the globe, only compound these fears and further a tragic dynamic. The political right in the United States and Israel often trades on this fear and uses false or inflated charges of anti-Semitism to delegitimize pro-Palestinian activism and undermine attempts to hold Israel accountable for its actions. And while critiquing Israel and Zionism is not inherently or inevitably anti-Jewish, it is possible for Jews and non-Jews alike to attack Zionism or Israel with language that echoes anti-Jewish tropes or exceptionalizes Israeli actions in a way that furthers anti-Semitism. That's a very sophisticated and fancy way of saying, essentially, you shouldn't be surprised uh, that Jewish people have historically and culturally hardwired alarm bells that go off when people say shit about us controlling the world with nefarious money influences, right? It's sort of like ding, 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 like five alarm, like, uh oh, it's about to pop off. And the left, you know, the left, which is fluent in the language of systemic racism, microaggressions, dog whistles. I think they get that. I think they understand why uh, Rep. Omar's comments were unfortunate, very problematic. Minus, you know, the ones on the left who insist, uh, Hamas does nothing wrong and all the Israelis need to go back to Poland, which those people mostly exist only on Twitter. David Plotz of Slate points out, this is more money controls the world, which is a genuine left-wing analysis, than it is those greedy hook-nosed Jews are controlling the world. Yeah, that's, that's how I read it too. And, yeah. and what's interesting is I think everyone... I can't say everyone. I can't, obviously can't speak for everyone. But I feel like a, most of the non-Jews who I yeah. have seen comment on this have interpreted it the same way, which is it's not a comment on yeah. Jews walking around with bags of money and yeah. trying to, you know, buy off. Sinister, like, uh, yeah, puppet, there's, puppet masters. There's no, like, the world malevolent intentions here. Right. It's like... Uh, it's it sounds a, a lot like what people say who do make that argument. Well, though. and I think that's why it's so... That's why it's so uh, ripe for yeah. somebody with bad faith, bad intentions, yeah. like Kevin McCarthy or, or the GOP writ David large, Duke, yeah. to seize on that because it's it's Donald in, Trump. It was never meant to sound like, like Donald Trump. Don't even get me started. Well, on we'll, that we'll get to, we'll get to that yeah. in a second. Uh, Peter Beinart, you know, to to this exact point you're making, Peter Beinart makes a good analogy. Uh, this doesn't mean it's illegitimate to talk about Apex mm -hmm. fundraising any more than it's illegitimate to talk about O.J. Simpson killing a white woman. Given the toxic stereotypes that each discussions evoke, however, they must be handled with care. And I think that's a fair point. I do too. And I, especially given, you know, Omar made the comment about Israel hypnotizing yeah. the world, which is another, if it's not, if it's not meant to be anti-Semitic, it's, it's certainly yeah. dog and whistling. She, and, but I think there's also another yeah. element wrapped in here that I haven't really, Yeah. I feel like I haven't seen anybody discuss sure. outside of like fringe lefty Twitter sure. that I think might be valid, which is... I think there may be an Islamophobic angle Completely, in here. completely. The, the GOP sees a black 
immigrant woman uh, wearing a hijab, and they know what their play is. They want to make her the face, just in the same way. Exactly. This, this well, is, and, and I think the people, yeah. even the people who aren't Kevin McCarthy, I think they're seeing it that way too because they're going, well, she's Muslim and yeah. all Muslims hate Jews. Right. And so this must have had some yeah. deeper meaning. Anti, anti-Semitism and socialism are going to be the, the, the butthurt emails of 2020. Oh, totally. Well, then the unfortunate thing is, is that because Democrats keep having these fights out in the open publicly, a bunch of dummies who wouldn't know anti-Semitism if it bit them on the tuchus are now going to see this and think, oh, maybe there's something there. And the whole thing is a calculated attempt to peel off a very consolidated, very uniform voting bloc of... 80% 80 of American Jews vote Democratic. Yeah. Consistently. That's that's the whole... Trump needs voters because he's losing independence right now. His his approval rating with independence dropped eight points over the government shutdown. He needs voters. This and is he's going to try to divide yeah. Jews because they're a big voting bloc. You know, this is also this way they can say, yeah, 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 we we sanctioned St- Steve King. You know, Steve King, we don't tolerate it on our side. And Nancy Pelosi pointed out, uh, a, a, a brand new freshman member apologized. It took them, what, 13 years to notice Steve King? It took him literally saying, what's wrong with white supremacy? Yeah. You know, uh, so let's talk, the underlying substance of what she said. So, yes, insensitive, indelicate, not necessarily 100% inaccurate. So that's uh, the thing. APAC, is... yeah. So APAC is more like when we talk about big players in lobby in lobbying in DC, APAC is more like the NRA than like Big Pharma for example. So yes, they do have an outsized influence on our political process, but much in the same way that a lot of Americans are passionate about and like guns in the second amendment. A lot of Americans like Israel, and thus their representative like Israel. A lot of people like Jews. Nobody likes paying high prices for prescription drugs, but Big Pharma shows up and makes it happen anyway. Now, it's not all about the Benjamins, unless that Benjamin is Benjamin Netanyahu. This is Congress, after all. You know, they don't give money directly to campaigns, but they do wine and dine. They do provide the occasional all-expenses-paid junket to the Holy Land. And you definitely don't want to be on their bad side, because they will flood your district with mail saying how much you are anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, blah, blah, blah. And we have, just to let you know what the what the influence is of the the Israel lobby generally, yeah. uh, we have had conversations with friends of the show who have either been running for higher office or know people who have, who've told us that if you have even a, the barest minimum of support that uh, the Israel lobby wants to talk with you. I mean, yeah. they... They want to bring you in and talk to you about missile defense. They want to bring you in and talk to you about like weapons deals. They want to like, they, the reach is pretty strong. I mean, what, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that yeah. uh, legally. There's nothing wrong with that morally. Everybody who has a lobbying interest wants that to be, I mean, the APAC's probably a model for effective lobbying for a yeah. lot of people. And what's interesting, you know, APAC is not even the most extreme, most damaging quote pro Israel group out there. Uh, ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America. Uh, we talked about them last time. Uh, Mort Klein, he was our runner-up to Ben Shapiro for Worst Jew on the Internet. Uh, ZOA is for the people who think APAC is too soft. Uh, his organization gave awards to literal anti-Semitic fascists, Steve Bannon and Sebastian Gorka, because they admired their next-level Islamophobia. It was really impressive to them. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yep, this is the, these guys come from the Breitbart model of pro-Israel. You know what I mean? Where, like, we like Israel because we get to beat up on the brown people. And sure. ZOA is like, we need those guys on our team. And then Republicans are like, no, you're still brown. Yeah. Uh, and then of uh, Kufi, which is a, a fun name, not a not a or fun acronym. It's not a fun group of people. Sounds like an like an African food, yeah. <laughs> aka Christians United for Israel is the uh, paternalistic messianic organization that wants us all back to the Holy Land to bring about the prophecy in the Book of Revelations. 
because and also you know the big man upstairs said so so that should inform our government policy they sound insane if you were wondering why the headline speakers at the jerusalem embassy opening were all evangelical preachers or why mike pence brought that fake rabbi onto the stage in michigan uh, these are the guys also note mike pence dissed palestinian christians aka the og christians on his trip to the middle east uh so they mean a very specific group of christians when they, they say white christians <laughs> if you don't like america's middle east policy don't blame us blame the christian zionists that's you're i feel like you're getting it yeah that's it um we already talked about the the double standard here if you denounce Ilhan Omar, but you support Donald Trump, you don't really care about bigotry. You don't care about anti-Semitism. No. There's a million and one incidents that you can that I don't need to go through them. Uh, but you know, good people on both sides. Blah blah blah. Um, Did you see Jake Tapper's thing where he's they were playing clips of Donald Trump being anti-Semitic? Okay, go on. Uh, and basically, they go, uh, let's let's show uh, Rep Omar's tweet, yeah. and then <laughs> these things are the same to me. No, and he goes, let's show Rep Omar's tweet. Can we cue that up? And then it's a clip of Donald Trump. And like in front of uh, like the American Jewish League or Jewish Union, oh, like and I don't he, want your money. That one. And he goes, yeah, you want to buy your politicians. I know that. I know that. Yeah. He goes, oh, that's not it. That's, can we queue up? Can we please queue that up? And it comes back, and he goes, it is Trump in front of another group of Jews. And he goes, now I know people in here. You guys love to negotiate. And, he, and it comes cuts back. He's like, no, no, that's not it either. That's, that's yeah. I, I thought I thought it was really it was yeah. really funny. Uh, it, it, the uh, dude proposed banning Muslims from the country, and his approval rating in his party went up. Yeah, like they don't care. Well, that's the, I mean, he's still yeah. his his lowest approval rating yeah. in the Republican Party has been eighty six percent. Yeah, and it's uh, eight and a half out of yeah. every ten Republicans. It's insane. Love um, the insane, guy. Insane. Going on, you know, another another Jewish Zionist perspective that's that's forgiving and understanding of Rep. Omar. Uh, Yair Rosenberg writes in Tablet Magazine, uh, she deserves dialogue, not just denunciation. You know, unlike most people who have voiced anti-Semitic tropes, Omar has actually expressed genuine self-awareness about doing so and a desire to unlearn these toxic ideas. Last month, when she finally apologized for a 2012 tweet about Israel suborning the world with its mystical powers, when asked by The Daily Show's Trevor Noah about the reversal, uh, she had this to say. With, with that tweet, what I finally realized is um, I, the realization that I hope that people... Um, come to when we're having a conversation about white privilege. Right. You know, people would be like, I, I grew up in a poor neighborhood. I can't be privileged. Right. Can you stop saying that? I haven't benefited from my whiteness. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like, no, we're talking about systematic, right? Right, right, right. Um, and so for me, that happened for me. I was like, I, I, do not call me that. That's not what I was doing. Right. And it was like, oh, I, w- I, I see what you're saying now. And so I, you, ha- I had to take a deep breath and understand where people were coming from and what point they were trying to make. Interesting. Um, Which is what I expect people to do when I'm talking to them, right, about things that impact me or offend me. And what is important in in this conversation is that we separate the, the land, the people, and administrations. Try and imagine Donald Trump saying anything remotely close to that. I'm trying. It didn't work. work. Didn't no, work. Didn't so, work. Like we said, oh, they're bringing anti-Semitism. They're bringing socialism is going to be the her emails of 2020. Get ready for it. Don't fall for it. And yeah. don't let your friends and family fall for it. <sighs> okay, well, in lighter news, NBA pettiness update uh, from last week. Remember we told you uh, about the uh, what's going on down in New Orleans with Anthony Davis uh, end up not being traded. And they're sort of tanking. He's stuck in limbo until the summer. New Orleans Pelicans coach Alvin Gentry last night on the whole trade refusal situation. Quote, this whole thing has been a dumpster fire. He's not wrong. And that was after a win. 
Uh, Russell Westbrook's 44-point triple-double, not enough to help the Thunder hang on. Also, at an El Paso rally this week, President Trump took aim at Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono, calling her, quote, crazy. Crazy Maisie! To quote him, he said, you know, this crazy senator from Hawaii, they said, do you like it? That's not a phrase you want to hear Donald Trump use. Not when you hear Donald Trump say that. And she said, yes, I like it very much, which is like, what are you talking about? Trump was referring to the so-called Green New Deal. I have the best words. How are we getting to Hawaii on a train? They're going to ban cows. What a dummy. Like, okay, this whole, like, they're going to take away our planes. They're going to... Obamacare death penalty. They're going to kill your grandmother. Ah, socialism. Ah. It sounds like a... It sounds like a chain email yeah. that you read in your great aunt's Yahoo inbox. That's basically, I mean, we're being, we're, our country is being run by a human chain email, right? It's, it's, I mean, literally no one has yeah. proposed taking away planes. Should we talk about some happier news or should we? Well, I, I gotta, last point. Last literally point. no yeah. one has, has proposed taking away planes. Everybody who listens to the show, I assume has a brain, unless we still have any proud boys listening. They don't have brains. No one is proposing that. Now, from the progressive side, what is a little bit harrowing, what is what is a little bit, what inspires trepidation is that we are seeing a retreat from the Green New Deal as we get further and further from the 2018 yeah. midterm. Do you see Pelosi in her super out of touch, elitist, you know, I'm worth $100 million, please don't raise my taxes sort of way, poo-pooed it like, oh, they're talking about this Green New Deal or Green Dream or green whatever. Green Dream they... sounds like a strain of weed. Yeah, so she's, I mean, there, it's basically... She sucks. People are already <laughs> signaling their lack of support for yeah. this. And I think this... Except for the presidential candidates, because they, they see the... they see The the political capital that they can gain. Right, and the writing on the wall of, you know, like, if we don't do something, we're screwed. Two, young people love it. Three, the average congressperson is worth several million dollars and is, like, 75 years old. They don't give a crap. Yeah, it, the, the, thing that is, the thing that is disheartening is that... Uh, support is starting to wither and it's withering from the inside out and McConnell uh, Senator Mitch McConnell Senate Majority Leader yeah who sucks and might actually be the worst person in American history I can't decide but he's he's in the running anywho Mitch McConnell in a play of what I consider to be extraordinary political gamesmanship is likely going to force a vote on the Green New Deal uh, and essentially force Democrats to take a position legislatively to take an actual stated voting position. And while I hate McConnell and think that his insides might literally be filled with darkness, uh, this is actually really smart. And this could end up being a net benefit for Democrats for getting people on the record who actually supports legislation that will radically attack climate change as the problem it is. Because if you can do it and show your support now and you can spin it as an economic development driver, dude, it's like, that's jobs for like 10 years. That's that's a huge yeah. middle-class growth. That's yeah. oh, no, our boy, our, massive revitalization yeah. of the American economy. Our boy, uh, Pete Buttigieg, on, made this point on Morning Joe, you know. Pete Buttigieg, that is uh, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, uh, who is the first gay mayor in Indiana history who single-handedly revitalized uh, South Bend's economy, who is a Rhodes Scholar and a Navy veteran. Afghanistan veteran, yeah. Better. And... Yeah. All by the time he's 35 and is now running for president. So if you want to know who's like the, I don't the opposite of Donald Trump, the opposite of Donald Trump, like this is, this is, you know, the old, the old idea of like, oh, is this a left thing? Is this the right thing? Is a Democrat thing? Is a Republican thing? It's like, you know, oh, it's socialism. We can't do it. It can't possibly work. This is socialism. Like, what about capitalism? America believes in capitalism. Like, what do we value more? Democracy or capitalism? And also 
you know, our generation, having not lived through the Cold War, we don't say, well, an idea can only work if it's capitalistic or if it's socialistic. Our, like, we want good ideas, no matter what they look like, if they work. And this is one of them. Yeah. I think we're, we're fortunately, as uh, the older generations tend to... Die. You said it. <laughs> uh, we're entering a period of true idea competition where it doesn't matter what the philosophy, what the ideology is that the idea comes from. Um, we're literally just looking for the best solutions because uh, ideologies are not going to save this planet. Yeah. It's going to be ideas. And speaking of ideology, you know, the, the, he had a great rebuff to Howard Schultz and the whole idea that all oh, the Democrats are moving too far left, blah, 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 blah. Uh, for the average, the average American who may not be super involved in politics, the way to reach them is not to, here's what one side says, here's one, here's what the other side says. I'm going to divide perfectly down the middle and hopefully this totally. will be the sweet spot. It's to say, it's to one, be authentic, to two, propose genuine ideas that will make people's lives better, and three, convince people that we need to care about each other, here's the way forward, here's my plan for which what is, I'm going to do to make your life better. Which is something that I think our greatest yeah. leaders have understood, but... Yeah, I, Buddha Judge is. I'm. I'm really intrigued by it. I would have to say he's probably my favorite in the race right now, even though he's such a long shot. Bernie and Booty, 2020. Yo. So, can't, and you know, oh, the Democrats can't nominate. Uh, they can't nominate white men. Uh, one of them's Jewish, the other's gay. So, I, does that does that if you if does that you check the, enough boxes? If you're the person saying a Democrats cannot nominate white men, you're ridiculous and you're part of the problem. Like. Please direct your complaints to at Blue Hawaii Ryan. The Democrats need to nominate whoever the best candidate is. Yeah. And there's a lot of... It's definitely not Joe Biden. It's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Democrats need to nominate whoever the best candidate is. If it's if it's a black woman, awesome. If it's a white man, awesome. It just depends. It just who's matters. Gonna, who's going to beat Donald who's Trump? Who's going to beat Donald Trump? That's literally the Why only thing I Why are we trying to win single issue beauty voter. pageants? Single issue voter. Who's going to beat Donald Trump? That's my totally. only issue. Why are we trying to worry yeah. about, you know, who's going to... like? understanding the extreme value of representation and yeah. why we need to have people who are leading us of different colors. Is this really the election that we need to be trying to like, oh, let's make sure that we pick somebody who fits this physical criteria yeah. rather than let's pick the person who's going to beat Donald Trump, beat Donald Trump. So, uh, you know, speaking of another, another 2020 candidate made some big news. This 21 week. Savage. God, I, well, you know, not not native born, unfortunately, <laughs> no, can, as we as we've learned. Um, we'll talk about Twenty One Savage after this last story. Kamala Harris picked up at a very huge early endorsement from Representative Barbara Lee, who represents the, the Oakland area in Congress. She is a progressive stalwart, um, longtime. This is Lee, not Lee. Harris. L E E, right, right. Yeah. Barbara Lee, um, you know, member of the Congressional Black Caucus, the Congressional Progressive Progressive Caucus. Uh, going back, the only member of Congress to vote against going to war in Afghanistan after 9-11. Like, as far as your, like, progressive anti-war street cred goes, Barbara Lee is right up top. Uh, and she endorsed Harris. She endorsed Harris for president. Huge, huge get for her in terms of ass assuaging the fears of progressives and those on the left who have big concerns, right, rightfully so, uh, about Kamala Harris's record as a super tough prosecutor, uh, centrist establishment, Senator Harris is not totally out of the quote Hillary Clinton hot sauce in my bag swag. Dude, Woods just yet. Oh my god. Did gosh. you see the thing about Did her, her, her and her and Pacalolo? Oh my gosh. Uh, so she was on where was she on? Where was this interview? Was this on the Breakfast Club? I don't recall. I don't cuz so she was on a radio interview claims, you know, I smoked uh, I smoked pot in college. You know, I did inhale. It, it was during college and what was in the background? 
She says, quote, oh yeah, definitely Snoop, Tupac for sure. This uh, is a problem because... Yeah. Kamala Harris graduated college in 1986. Okay. Tupac's first album came out. You want to guess? 91. 91. When Snoop's first album came out? 93? 93. You were It's almost like you are psychic. Or, or you read the notes. So either she smoked such high quality Pacololo that she literally traveled through time and got to listen to the debut of Doggy Style. At which point, DM us. At which, at which point, Senator Harris, <laughs> Senator Harris, take back everything I said about uh, Mayor Buttigieg. You are my you new, are front runner. You are my front runner. <laughs> However, I doubt that is you the case. You and whoever your guy is. <laughs> <laughs> where did she go to undergrad? Where did she, hold on, I, let me look this up real quick. Where did, where did Kamala Harris undergrad go? Okay. <laughs> my autocomplete was Kamala Harris unearthed. <laughs> which, not very helpful. She Howard. Went, she went to Howard. Yeah, I remember that. Well, that's... Okay. I, here's the problem with this whole thing. At, here's also, the problem. Also, you think at Howard, at, at Howard in 1986, there's still some really good music available to listen to at the Howard dorms. I'm, I'm really sure. sure. Yeah. Why do you, like, why lie to us, lady? That's why the, try to... This is the, the problem is, is that Politicians, Kamala Harris yeah. is falling into where she's getting pushed into that Hillary Clinton. I'm so cool. I'm the I'm cool, cool mom. Relatable. I'm the cool mom. Let's have margaritas. People. Just, just for reference, like... Angela Merkel is the best leader in the entire world. Was. Was. Yeah. Excuse me. Angela Merkel was the best leader in the entire world, arguably over the past 10 years. Yeah. She is about as interesting as a sheet of red construction she, paper. Yeah. She, this, this woman is like, I don't know if she has a doctorate, but she's like high doctorate, level. Doctorate. She has a doctorate yeah. in like freaking like molecular chemistry. Yeah. Like she's. And she's she makes, so boring. She never, she never apologized. She never tried to be something no. she wasn't. She never. She barely smiles. She she uh, she decided, you know, even though it was political suicide, she decided the right thing, the right policy for Germany to take is to allow these refugees. She made unpopular decisions based on her values and what she genuinely believed was best for the country. She never had to be cool, mom. No, and we cannot, as an electorate, allow corporate media yep. and allow like just society at large to keep forcing viable female candidates of which maybe Harris is, maybe she isn't, but we she, cannot she is. I mean she is viable in terms of sorry, I should say viable in terms of like who might actually per, be cool. Yeah, like my or my like my personal beliefs. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would ever vote for it, but like we cannot at this point It'd be funny, like Kirsten Gillibrand, like, yeah, I was listening to some Wu Tang, yeah. some old dirty bastard, uh a little bit of, like everybody's just trying to get blacker and blacker yeah, in their no, music choices. <laughs> well you get, yeah, I don't know. You get, uh, oh, Chris, Chris. you get Liz Warren's like, I only listen to Tone Loke. <laughs> You're like, no, Elizabeth Warren's first campaign commercial is going to have like infrared by Pusha T in the background, like while she's lifting weights. I just feel, yeah, I, I'm just like, I'm so worried that we're continuing to force women yeah. into these boxes where they have to be the person, yeah. you know, to, to not to use the same joke again, but the person that you're like, they would just text you out of the boom like, let's get margaritas yeah, and then want to talk yeah, about domestic policy. Yeah. You don't have to Nobody do that. Nobody wants to, like, guys, like... That's not what you necessarily need to be to be a president. Yeah. So anyways... She's still better than Joe Biden. Oh, God, she's so much better than Joe Biden. Uh, okay, some good news, some good news. Uh, not a 2020 candidate. Also, I would maybe, still vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. I would, yes, I would too. That's not important. Maybe maybe not a 2020 candidate for president, but maybe for prime minister. Uh, okay. Teresa may be out of a job soon. Uh, oh, sure. 20, 21 Savage, a free man. 21, 21, 21, 21, 21. Uh, he was on Good Morning America this morning. Here's what he had to say. Walk us through February 3rd, just a few hours before Super Bowl is about to take 
place here in Atlanta and you get pulled over? What, what happened? I don't even know. I was just driving and I just seen guns and blue lights. And then I was in the back of a car and I was gone. They tell you you're under arrest? No, nah, they, they didn't say nothing. They just said, we got savage. They said, we got savage. Yeah. Sounds like this was potentially something they set out to do. This would have been targeted and not just a random traffic stop. It was definitely targeted. I didn't know what a visa was. Like, we was, I was seven when I first came here. I knew I wasn't born here, but I didn't know, like, what that meant as far as when I transitioned into an adult, how it was going to affect my life. I wasn't hiding it, but it's like, I didn't want to get deported, so I'm not going to just come out and be like, hey, by the way, I wasn't born here to world. I've been here 20 years, 19 years. Um, my whole, this is all I know, you know what I'm saying? I don't feel like you should be arrested and put in a, uh, a place where the, a murderer would be for just being in the country for too long. Tell us about what the detention center was like. I was like in one room all day. By yourself? Yeah. Do you have that concern now that you might be kicked out? Yeah, but I feel like I have been through so much in my life, like, I've learned to embrace the times when I'm down, because they always build me up. 21, 21, 21, 21. All right, what else do you want to talk about? Let me just read one quote from the um, XXL article uh, that we have in our show notes here. 21 Savage asked us to send a special message to his fans and supporters. So basically, 21 sent the Blue Hawaii podcast a special message. Yep. Uh, he says day one since day one, baby. that while he wasn't present at the Grammy Awards, which obviously here at the pod we knew was the case, we'd already let you know, uh, he was there in spirit and is grateful for the support from around the world, now more than ever. So yeah. uh, thanks, uh, 21, he's, he's for that comment directly to he's, us. He's ready to be with his loved ones and continue making music that brings people together. He will not forget this ordeal or any of the other fathers, sons, family members, and faceless people he was locked up with or that remain unjustly incarcerated across the country. And Very. he asks... And he asks that your hearts and minds to be with him. Uh, well, 21, thank you for, we're ready for you to be with us yeah. again, too, yes. here I'm on the pod. All right, folks, well, that's our news from this week. Uh, we bid you adieu. I hope that you enjoy our first legislative update that we have coming up here in just a moment. I'll be sitting down with Mr. Nate Hicks. Our BFF. Of Living Wage Hawaii. You know him. You love him. We do. He's going to be in the studio with me. Yeah. Um, See y'all in a minute. I'm going to miss you guys. Welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Ryan Little, and sitting in with me this wonderful Saturday morning is our dear friend, our BFF, our model for community engagement and uh, handsome success, Mr. Nate Hicks. Nate, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, so, listeners, uh, Nate and I were just talking. Uh, you heard Josh and I, right before the break, talking about the wall. Uh, Nate brought up an interesting point that uh, President Trump, should this you know national emergency on the wall thing go through, uh, $5.8 billion, that's only one-third of the cost of Honolulu's rail. Yeah, and that's the I think the funny part. You're talking about all this money, and I think even Hirono and Shots are saying you're taking money away from the military to build this wall. And I'm like, are we actually talking about real figures? Like five billion is nothing. We have a 
four trillion dollar budget. Like this is pennies on the dollar here. Seems more of a principle type thing, you know? Exactly yeah. my and exactly my point. Yeah. And if we want to have that chat, have that chat, but don't yeah. talk about we're stealing like, like a money fiscal from responsibility. The military. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, especially when our defense budget is yeah. astronomical. Yeah. Um. Well, Nate, as promised uh, by you and to our listeners, we're gonna have you do a legislative update. We want to know. What's up, but also what's happening? Hey, yeah. So, uh, perfect timing. The thank you. Uh, the interesting part now is we the way the legislative session happens is bills go first through the House and then through the Senate, or vice versa. They start in the Senate, they go to the House. And right now, we just passed a deadline where all bills have to go to their final committee in each chamber. So, for people who are listening at home. And they're like a little fuzzy on how a bill becomes a law. Woo, you sure gotta climb a lot of steps to get to this Capitol building. Would you mind walking very, very quickly through that process? Because I know that we have some people who kind of know, but like the process is, even though it's completely open and transparent, it feels a little opaque sometimes. Oh, it's very opaque. No, it's incredibly opaque. Yeah, so um, you have bills that can either be introduced in the House or the Senate. Um, they're introduced by a representative in the House or a senator in the Senate. Typically called an introducer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then other people that sign on are typically called co-sponsors. Yeah. Okay. And so let's say, uh, easy example, uh, let's go uh, SB 789 is a Senate bill that was introduced by uh, Senator Taniguchi. And what happens is that bill then gets assigned to committees, committees that are relative to that bill. Normally, bills get two committees, um, get assigned to two committees. And so for this minimum wage bill... Is uh, that SB 789 is the minimum wage bill? Is one the Senate version that's still alive. Okay. Um, that got assigned to the Labor Committee and then to the Ways and Means Committee. And so for the Senate, pretty much any bill of significance is going to be assigned to a subject committee so whether it's labor or environmental or transportation or something like that and then the second committee is always going to pretty much be ways and means so who decides what committees they go to so it's technically the senate president who makes that decision but it's pretty much already built in like you know oh it's a minimum wage bill it'll get labor and ways and means oh it's an environmental bill it's going to get environmental and ways and means very rarely is something odd going to happen so it's pretty much a formality so then once it goes to committee, what happens? So it goes to committee. So the SB 789 was assigned to two committees, Labor and Ways and Means. It goes to Labor first, and Senator Taniguchi happens to be the chair of that Labor committee. That helps. Right. But it, yes. And so what happens is, is uh, he schedules a hearing for that bill, and people can submit testimony online, and then the testimony comes in as or the hearing is scheduled, and people can show up in person. And so you'll see, for example, you know you might have seen on C-SPAN, or um, hopefully if you're watching on local Olelo TV, uh, you can see people stand up or you know sit in front of the committee. And so you have Senator Taniguchi, who's the chair, and you have all the other Labor Committee senators, which there are five. Um, listen to public testimony. So, you know, I can go up and say, hey, you know, we need a living wage. And then and you people can, go, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. And then you can hear the Chamber of Commerce go up and they say, uh, the sky is falling. So if we were to breath. raise it to a minimum wage, then how are we going to feed our kapuna? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, it's up to the senator to decide, or the chair to decide what, to ha what happens. And traditionally, 99.9% .9 of the time, 
if they have no intent on passing that bill, the chair will defer the bill. Basically, it doesn't get to be voted out of committee. Correct. Yeah. So the bill doesn't actually get put up for a vote. The committee chairman just says no vote is going to occur. You came all this way. You gave all this testimony. And rather than allowing the public discourse or rather than allowing the democratic process to occur, we're just going to scuttle it. I hope they decide to report on me favorably. Otherwise, I may die. Die? Yeah, die in committee. So, for those of you keeping score at home, the bill gets introduced and or co-sponsored. It gets assigned to a committee. Then, after that, uh, the committee takes a vote on whether it should go back to where. Then it would proceed. So let's say Senator Donaguchi, as happened with SB 789, he said, okay, we are going to vote on it. The uh, committee members voted on the bill, and then it passes that committee, and then it goes on to Ways and Means Committee. And then it's up to the Ways and Means Chair, which is Donovan De La Cruz, uh, whether he's going to even hear the bill or not. Um, if he chooses not to hear the bill, the bill's dead. The bill dies. If he chooses to hear it, the same process repeats. And then, then it crosses over to the house, and the same process repeats itself. And so, for so it really has like four chances to die. That's one hundred percent correct. Well, six if you count the actual vote. I guess five if you count the actual vote, right? Because once it makes it out of, you have to, it still has to get put up to a vote. Yeah. So you'll go Labor Committee in the Senate, Ways and Means Committee in the Senate labor committee in the house uh and then the uh, the same version of ways and means in the house is actually called the finance committee but they're parallel committees finance committee in the house and then each of them will receive floor votes on both the senate and the house that's six chances to die uh and then there's a seventh chance assuming it all passes there's one more chance governor could veto it you've missed a very key part and which is so the Trump way, could blow up the whole world. Well, that's all. I mean, with with God, anything is possible. <laughs> and so, but uh, let's say it passes the Senate and it passes the House. Normally, what's going to happen is there's going to be an amendment that's added to or taken out of the bill. And so, if it passes through the Senate and passes through the House, it goes to conference committee. And so, the chairs of each committee that it passed through have to conference and determine what language is actually going to be so the that's final. That's the four committees that it's already gone through the heads of those committees get together and then they say let's really hammer this final thing out that's 100 percent correct and this happens at the very end right and there are tons of bills that go through this process most bills that pass end up going to conference committee which is at the very end of session and so there are going to be dozens and dozens of bills that have made it through this process and so if they don't want a bill to pass They'll just be like, ah, we couldn't agree to language. The bill dies. Mm. And so for s significant bills, they often die in this process all at the same time. So let's say, for example, this year, some of the key bills are going to be minimum wage. There's seemingly like potentially a marijuana legalization bill that's coming up. There's a REITs taxing bill that's getting a lot of attention. And so what could easily happen is these bills make it to conference committee and then they go, oh, we don't want it to pass. Kill them all. And it's all sort of like all of these people's bills are died. And so uh, Star Advertiser, Civil Beat, Hawaii News Now, they can only focus a decent amount of attention on another on a few bills. And so they just disappear, never to see the light of day until the next year in January when session starts over again. And the whole again. process has to start over again. That's right. Yeah. So for those of you keeping track at home, let's go through this one more time because this is a totally 
logical and non-maddening process. Uh, you introduce a bill. It gets co-sponsored. It goes to committees, two committees. The committee has to vote it into the other committee. The other committee has to vote it into the other uh, chamber of Congress. Then it goes to two more committees. Then those people have to vote on it and it has to pass out of there. Then it gets a floor vote and both houses of Congress have to vote on it. Then if there's any language that changes, it has to go to a conference committee where once more, all those four people that have already voted it out of the committees, they then have to approve of this new language or uh, sorry, hammer out new language. Then it goes back to a floor vote and then it goes up to Governor David Ige's desk. That's 100% correct. And he can still veto it. You mean even if the whole Congress says you should be a law, the president can still say no? Yes, that's called a veto. And that's what's happened for many bills. They die either committee or by David Ige's. Wow. Yeah. So we got a long, long process. We are, we've just finished step one of eight. Which is the first committees. Correct. All right. So SB 789, how's it looking? Uh, so there's a significant amount of attention and energy focused on minimum wage, tons of media coverage on it. Uh, and so the legislature is seemingly looking like it's going to pass a minimum wage bill. The reality is, is what it's going to look like. $11 an hour. Uh, you're not too far off. On, unfortunately. So SB 789 uh, moves the minimum wage up to $15 by 2023, which is a good bill. Good start. It is a great start. Um, obviously, a living wage now is 17 and so it's far short of what we actually need. Who knows what it'll be in 2023. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, but there's a good start. On the other side, on the House side, there's a bill, HB 1191, which would move the minimum wage up to 1250 by 2024. That's a crappy bill. Right. Who's, so, who introduced and sponsored that? Uh, so that was introduced by Labor Chair Aaron Johansson, and it was originally moving the minimum wage up to fourteen dollars an hour. But but they amended it down during the Labor Committee hearing to move it down to twelve fifty. So again, the, trying to figure out what is going to be the final package is still up in the air, and trying to get it to seventeen is going to be a lot of the effort on the advocacy side. So listeners, the reason why it's important for everybody out there to know uh, the process here is that you need to know who these chairs are. You need to know who these committee members are, because if there's something that you care about, whether it's a living wage, which it should certainly be, and if it's not, please stop listening. Uh, whether it's that or something else, you need to know who to put pressure on. You need to know whose opponents to donate to if the people that you want to vote a certain way don't vote a certain way. Like You need to know how to get involved. And ostensibly, this is just me opining here, Nate, I think some of the reason why we are apathetic about the electoral process is that people don't know truly how bills become law. They don't understand that there's eight points of failure that are that all have, say, three to four moving parts apiece. So there's really like 32 places in the system where the whole process can get derailed and it leads to legislative gridlock unless you have people who vote uh, and introduce bill vote for and introduce bills that align with your value set and so folks learn those committee members yeah i can't stress that enough and um that's the nice thing that the advocate's role is is to break this down for folks and make it super easy and so 
Uh, for example, if you were to go to the Living Wage Hawaii website, which we, all of you should, we have an easy link that you can click that can just, you know, tell you, hey, it's a, you know, you're, it's a Saturday morning and you want to get involved. You can just go there and there's going to be an opportunity for you to uh, just click a link and it'll say, you know, call this committee person or email this person. You don't need to dig in and understand the entire process from start to finish, but the action items that you need to take are, we try to make it as simple as possible. So I know Ryan, you've probably received some texts from me saying like, Hey bro, click this link, send this email. Never. Um, <laughs> so, and I did it when I got that, I did it by golly. And it makes a huge difference. Honestly, I can't stress that enough is this attention, uh, makes them, makes them, uh, respond. Well, any other bills you're watching? Uh, so marijuana legalization is getting a lot of attention, which is interesting. Stoner. Just kidding. <laughs> well, it's interesting, I think, because um, the Democratic Party has also made that one of its key goals. Uh, but Ige has come out consistently saying he doesn't support Very it. Very consistently. So it's not going to be a just a matter of can we get it you know, uh, approved and up to his desk. It's going to be can we override a veto. Yeah. And well, the funny thing is it's fairly public that the legislature on both sides, the leadership was actively supporting uh, Representative Hanabusa for governor. And so it wouldn't surprise me if the legislator legislators decided to veto, uh, override his veto. From your listening to rumblings and uh, folks at home, you're lucky we've got a, a real political insider here. Do you think there's legislative will to override the veto? Do you think you've got two thirds? Uh, I think it depends on the issue for sure for if marijuana. It's marijuana. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm curious to see that it would even pass. I think people are super reluctant, especially because here in the state, I don't think, you know, we are a democratic capital state, but from polling numbers, a majority don't even say they want legalization here, which is not the case in other capital D democratic states around mm -hmm. the nation. So I think that's sort of being discussed for legislators too. I really can't say, but it doesn't seem there's to be a huge push from anybody that really, really, really wants this to pass. I can't imagine why there would be either. I mean, it's only, you know, Colorado only made 18 million in tax revenue in Q1 of this year. Yeah. No, it's not, I don't even think we need money right now, do we? As a state, I think we've got all we need. We're, we're chock full. We're, yeah. we're, uh... we're giving money back at this point. Yeah. yeah I yeah. remember my, my tax refund check. They actually just canceled the whole thing. Told me, uh, you know what? Just take it all. We're sorry we taxed you at all this year. So, uh, anything else you're watching? Um, there's the REITs bill, which is trying to tax the uh, real estate investment trust loophole. Mm -hmm. Um, that seems to have legs. Even Republican Gene Ward is coming out saying he's trying to tax that money. Tell us a little bit about this REITs tax loophole. Uh, so for all of you at home, a REIT is a real estate investment trust. Basically it's a big wall street firm buys a building or several buildings or portfolios of buildings. And then to offload their costs, or alternatively, some people say to allow for low-cost investment, um, they securitize it. So that means that they sell shares of their portfolio on a stock exchange, and you can buy shares of it. So the benefit is, if you've ever wanted to own, say, office buildings, or you've ever wanted to own apartment buildings or something like that, and you don't have, you know, a cool 40 million sitting around, you can put a couple thousand or however much money you have, you can buy a share or up to as many shares as you can afford of these portfolios and es essentially own an asset. You can own a, a, a you know, built asset. So, uh, the downside is though, there's a tax loophole. If you would mind explaining that. Yeah. So if you are the owner of one of these 
trusts or part owner of one of these trusts, uh, the process is that the money, um, let's say you, you know, make money on the, on your ownership, uh, that money is taxed only to the individual as income and it's only taxed in their state of residency. And so for example, Ala Moana, Royal Hawaiian center, uh, those are real estate investment trust properties. And what can happen is there's somebody who lives in Missouri or California or New York or Alabama. They own a share of Alamoana's property. And there's general growth properties is who owns both of those, I believe, right? I don't know the name. I think you, it's GGP. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, GGP is trying to sell it, but. And so what happens is, is the income that they generate then goes to the individual people who own it in all of these states and they pay the taxes in their state for the income they earned. And so it's not taxed here locally. So there's approximately 60 to $80 million in tax revenue that's lost. Um, each year? Each year. Wow. Um, and but so we don't even need that. <laughs> yeah, again, we're, th- we're just chock full of money. And so that's, that's one of the, that's one of the uh, bills that's up for debate. And the question is, is, I think it seems like it's going to pass. Their tax will occur. But the question is, and this is the big debate, is, is it unconstitutional? No, no, no. It's constitutional. It's just uh, what, what's, what are we going to use the money for? Is it going to go to teachers? Is it going to go to affordable housing? Is it going to go to help, help pay student debt? I think we can all agree that it will go to none of those things. <laughs> we'll see, honestly. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the legislators are looking to get their teeth into this new chunk of money. I do wonder, you know, what would happen if uh, they did just sort of say, we're going to legalize marijuana. We're going to legalize this taxing of the REITs. And uh, we're putting it all back in education. Wasn't the bu- the budget shortfall in education like $100 million? I don't know. I feel, like that's what, right. what, I feel like that's what somebody told me. It's like, well, if you look at Colorado's numbers, you've got $98 million if you add the 18 from Colorado plus the 80 from your REIT tax right there. So would that, would that fix our education problems? Yeah, I think we're all getting 35s on our ACTs if we do that. 35? No one even takes the ACT here, so no one has any idea what No, that no, is. no, they take it. Yeah, the big day's coming up. They take the ACT? Yeah, 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 because the DOE actually is has like a ACT day. It's Literally like, everyone that I've told about taking the ACT in high school, which, you know, I always talk about that. Uh, <laughs> that'd be so weird, no. Uh, but I have mentioned it before, you know, when I was in high school, the ACT would like, I don't, what's the ACT score translate to an SAT? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's how it used to be here, but the DOE made a point. Um, so they administer test. it in, they administer it. I took the ACT. So. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> ACT for life. So, if you took the SAT, stop listening to this show. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows what the money's going to go for, but that's the big fight. And so uh, Faith Action for Community Equity, they're the big pushers behind that. They're turning out like 30 people to these hearings, all in these blue-clad shirts, and they're like, you know, we want the money for affordable housing, so we'll see. Um, other bills, uh, I mean, this is, I think, should be priority one. I should have led with this, but uh, the world's burning. Climate change is real. Um, the number one policy to end our carbon emissions is going to be put a price on carbon. Um and the legislature here locally is looking at this bill to uh, study what would happen to the local economy and what should be done with the revenue. So hopefully that passes. Um, but to study it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they seem to all be reluctant to actually push for the carbon pricing. But um, we'll just study it. Yeah. So yeah. those are. I'd say those are the big ones. But the difference between studying cancer and curing it. Right. Yeah. Right. But it is what it is. Um, and if we're going to end our carbon emissions, it's got to start somewhere. And they seem reluctant so far to, to actually do it. Well, 
<laughs> Don't worry, we have 10 years to solve this, guys. Yeah. It, that's, that's so long. That's like so far. 10 and a half, 10 and a half. <laughs> yeah. We've got a ton of time. ton of time. Yeah. Oh, and that's the, that's the frustrating thing is the study that they're calling for. Isn't like a 10-year study? Yeah, it's like not supposed to be done for another two years. And yeah. we're like, no, that's not. So we've got eight years yeah. to argue over what the study. Well, it'll take three years to argue over what the study meant. We'll commission two more studies. Yeah. Then the rail will be finished. And then... We'll all be underwater. Finished by you mean scrapped because it's not going to be done in six years. There's no way. What? You don't think There's so? There's no way. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, they can't even, they have They have nothing. They, they don't know where it's going. There's no path for it to they, completion. They kind of know. Who? That's know. fine. I don't they know. need to they get know, into they that. They know. A little bit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they know. Right? Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Six years. <laughs> Put it down. <laughs> Take it to the bank. Uh, well, any other things that we should know about uh, other other bills, other things in life? Any any big updates for you personally, for Living Wage Hawaii personally, uh, and just anything that you want the world to know? Man, that's that's a heavy ask, but I think I covered it honestly. Okay. Um, but no, I appreciate the opportunity. But that seems that seems pretty good. Okay. I think I killed it, honestly. I, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I'm digging the grave right now. Um, when is this session over? So, end of April. Uh, end of April. Yeah, so it goes by fast. So, the, yeah. rest, the rest of the process is quick. Step two deadline is like in another two weeks or three weeks from now. Step three, shortly after that. And so, if you want to get involved, you know, make sure, follow Living Wage HI, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. We'll continue to keep you guys updated on what you need to do. And I cannot stress this enough. Just call your legislator and be just like, call somebody, email them. I, and like, literally, it's huge. Like, these people do not receive emails or calls. Nobody calls them ever at any time. So, I just do whatever they want. Exactly. So, call them, say, some might argue the job is just showing up. <laughs> it seems that way. Dude, ask them for a living wage, ask them for whatever you want. Um, and they might do something about it, but they're definitely not going to, if you don't call them. Last question, chances that the bills that we talked about become law. I think REITs is going to pass. You think so? Yeah. What chance? What, what probability you put on that? I'd say 85%. 85%. Yeah. The only hiccup I think would be where the money goes. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit curious about the constitutionality of it. Uh, mm. we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be challenged. Yeah, other state, there's another state that does it. So, oh, interesting. Which state, do you know? I don't remember. Okay. So um, 85% for the REIT. I think so. SB 789. Uh, a minimum wage bill, I think has a 90 plus percent chance of passing. The question is, it is a good one. That's the question. That's the big debate. Does it look like the Senate bill or the house bill is more likely at this point? Oh, uh, they're going to merge the two into one bill at conference committee. What could so. go wrong? <laughs> exactly. Marijuana legalization. Give me a chance. Personally, fifteen percent. Fifteen percent. There's nobody really. Wow. I don't. I don't think the heavy players inside the building are really clamoring for this, but we'll see. Carbon tax. What do you think? Chance the study bill passes. The study bill. If the study bill doesn't pass it, uh, then we're all doomed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, but Nate, look. If if climate change is real, then why was it snowing in Minnesota? Amy Klobuchar's announcement for presidential campaign last that's a week. great question i really have to dig into this actually yeah. we should just study if climate change is real yeah that should be not. our priority one if climate change is real why yeah. is it cold this week in hawaii it has been record cold mm -hmm. I'm, i i'm surprised I'm how do you explain my... that mr science uh, i can't i can't i can't do it i think it's just a big hoax i think uh you've changed your position quite quickly <laughs> you're a good lobbyist <laughs>
<laughs> All right, everybody. Nate Hicks. Follow Living Wage Hawaii on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram. Go to livingwagehawaii.com. Uh, also, just call your freaking legislator. Just any of them. Just call any of them. You've got three. You've got a city council member, a state rep, and a house rep. Just call somebody and tell them you support a living wage. Amen. Back in a little bit with a few shout-outs. Shout-outs. Shout out. Shout out Josh to is back. Shout out to. Shout it's out to almost me. like we recorded this before you left. Shout out to me. Shout out to I'm Josh back. for time traveling. Just like Kamala Harris. Just like Kamala Harris because she got in contact Bow wow with wow. Yippee yo yippee yay. Doggy dog in the motherfucking house. Okay. So shout out to my favorite institution of academic higher learning, the Harvard of the Pacific, University of Hawaii at Manoa, one of 12 institutions included on the list of U.S. colleges and universities, producing the most 2018-2019 Fulbright Scholars. That's pretty good. According to the Department of State. We won't give you scholarships, but we'll help you get one. Yeah. Once you have completed your learning and paid us your student loans, then your next step, we maybe help you with. Folks, we've been going for a long time. We want to give you all a big thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you. Like us on Facebook. Yes. Subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Visit thebluewhitepodcast.com. Yeah, share our page with somebody. Like, Make a friend. Just tell some people. Tell a friend. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you again to our friend Nate Hicks. Keep listening. Love you, Nate. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.